This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Well, good morning. It's episode 40 of the Forever Bristol City podcast. And joining me, uh, as usual, is uh, the gang of three, Ian, uh, Mark and uh, Dave Fevs. Uh, I just said to the chat just before we went live, it's uh, December the 30th, 2017. It seems a long, long time ago, but that was the day that... Uh, we played Wolves and we were right up there, coattails. And then uh, Frankie got himself sent off and we lost that game 2-1. And we, we've we said this numerous times, but we, we haven't really progressed since that day. Um, guys, um, obviously we're going to talk about last night's game at, uh, at Kenilworth Road, but it, it, am, I, am I being harsh by saying we haven't progressed and it, it's three years of it just trundling along? Yeah, Dave, you first. Yeah, um, that was the high point. I think we've had some mini spells in the three years, and we've had some bad spells in the in the three years as well. And uh, yeah, it's been typical Bristol City, kind of fairly like a roller coaster, um, and, and and disappointing that we haven't kicked on. <laughs> yeah, Ian, your thoughts on the on that? You know, three years. It's not the first time we've said it, but the last couple of results of put it into focus. I mean, we're, we're going nowhere fast, aren't we? Yeah. And, and I think uh, when I look at things like, um, you know, we all got excited when we signed a young lad from Monaco, four and a half million quid, uh, adding up to 8.5, it said at the time. Um, although Lee Johnson told me that that wasn't correct. Um, not the 4.5 bit, the adding up bit. And to see how that lad has regressed. And uh, Dave and I were discussing playing out of position last night. And to play him is extra left wing or, or left side of the three, narrow in midfield or whatever position he was meant to be playing last night, um, shows me something that is deeply troubling about Dean Holden is that he doesn't seem to learn. So he'll, he'll make a mistake mm. or something will go wrong and then he'll repeat it two weeks later. 
And I'll, yeah. I'll, well, let's come back but, on that. But in terms, of, in that. terms of progress, no. Progress I've, got some, I've got some stats to bear that out that we can that we can discuss later on. Come on, on to those in a minute. Let's come on to those in a minute because yeah. the points you raised there about Dean not learning. I, I'm getting on my high horse today about the coaches in a minute. But uh, Mark, your views. I mean, we've we've we as as Dave rightly said, we've had a few interesting games and what have you. But really, three years ago today, we lost to home to Wolves. And then we we just not progressed, have we? Not progressed no, at all. Three, three years ago, we were right in the crest of the, the League Cup run, which culminated in, in the games at Man City, which which really you know been, been hit hit a problem and, and and gave Lee Johnson a little bit of a, a little bit of credit for the, for the following season or so. We were playing good. We were playing great football then. A tight knit team that had injuries. Nothing like we got now, but. The last three years, as usual, City have oversold and under-delivered both corporately and on the pitch. Where we're left now, in the midst of a you know the COVID pandemic, with about eleven injured players, not nine long-term injuries, and the players that are out on the pitch just aren't good enough. We're down to having one shot on target per game. Uh, just looked at the results. We've only won uh, three of the last ten and taken ten points. That is the team that we are. Unfortunately, we're a team looking looking over our shoulders, not looking up. Unless there's a drastic change, either in personnel, I, I don't think getting rid of the coach is even a possibility. So we're going to struggle along at the moment, and uh, no, we've no, got Saturday to look forward to. <laughs> uh, well, there we go. Well, let's go back to uh, last night's game at Kenilworth Road. I mean, it would have been the sort of place to go to come on the back of beating Wickham uh, not convincingly of course but we'd have said what a great Christmas and we'd have been looking up these are the fine margins in this uh, uh, division but uh, Dave if I can come to you on the starting lineup last night I mean playing Masengo wide left that was just crazy and what was were we playing 4-3-3 yeah what, what no, are your four, thoughts on that on that lineup we played 4-4-2 um same Saturday, we played four four two. There seemed to be a lot of confusion on the forum about who, who played up front Saturday. Uh, but no, it's and Holden even came out and said it was four four two on 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 Saturday versus Wickham. It most definitely was last night. Um, I was very surprised that he played Masengo there. If, if anything, I'd have played him and Semenyo Semen- the other way round. I'd have played Semenyo down the left and Masengo down the right, and probably played him a little bit narrower as as, as well. But I, I think actually off the ball he did some really good stuff last night with Sengo. He didn't do much with on the ball and he and he, and he looked uncomfortable in that position. It was a bit of a surprise to, to play in there. But I think we are we are where we are with the with the players the players we've got. But I, I don't think that, that helped us in any in any way last night. I say I think the rest of the side no, let's, uh, fairly much pinpaint no, itself, but no but not, not at all. But um yeah, I think you know I I'd probably do things a bit differently, but I kind of I, I saw what he was trying to do apart from Masengo last night. Yeah, let's get into the uh, action. And uh, we had a chance very early on where Masengo showed that sort of burst of speed from the middle, earned himself a free kick in a very good uh, position. But um, Chris, Chris Martin, uh, Ian, great position, 20 yards from goal uh, it summed up City didn't it it was sort of Rose Z of the very short stand there is a Kenilworth Road there that was a good opportunity early on wasn't it yeah 
Well, when we've been in positions like that, who's taken the last two of those free kicks and what happened? Uh, so the answer is Naki Wells. He's hit the post and brought a good save out of the goalkeeper where the ball almost went over the line. So we give it to Chris Martin. That's an example of not learning. What, why, why do yeah. you do that? No, that's um, 100% right there. Okay, I said, why do you do that? Yeah. You know, if you've got a guy that can yeah. do what Wells has done from the free kicks, I, mean, you, you, there's a, I think there's a pretty good argument for taking him off penalties, although he'll probably never, ever try that again. But, you know, leave him on the free kicks and at least you get a shot on target and the keeper might let it go through his hands or throw one in the net or, or whatever. But why all of a sudden Chris Martin's taken it and stood next to him is Tommy Rowe. I mean, Tommy can shoot, in fairness, but, um, you know, that's obviously some kind of training yeah. ground move and that's gone. That's just gone horribly wrong. Yeah, we'll talk about training ground. We're meant to have a guy, I think we'll talk about coaches in detail again later on, but we're supposed to have a guy called Pat Mountain. Well, not supposed to. He's one of the five, including Holden, on the bloody bench uh, on the touchline uh, matches. But uh, 16 minutes, Mark. First goal, corner. Maybe it should have second corner. Maybe there was a foul on Bentley. Just leading up to it. But uh, Callas missed his header. Nobody standing behind him other than uh, Ray, Rhea, whatever his name was. And uh, he was lurking unmarked volleyed in 1-0. I mean, we've had the better of the early exchanges um, to a point, but a soppy goal, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah, we've been testing out, we, we've been testing out the um, lock here at left back and, and, and profiting from that and Hunt was putting some crosses, but um, Harry Cornick was testing us with crosses from the right and I think Viner had to put two over the bar, but we just, con we, con we, we defended the first corner and Ray was at the uh, on the other post where Callas deflected it wide after you said Bentley may have been fouled when he tipped it back, um, thinking that keepers get overprotected. I don't think it was a foul on him. He just pushed it behind him and Ray and Ray struck and uh, Callas defended well at near post. But Callas got under the ball, but all the rest of the players got sucked to the near post. Masengo was stood next to a guy not really marking him and Ray just stole in and volleyed it first time. It was a great finish, but where was the marking? And it just keeps yeah. happening. It happened against QPR, it happened against Barnsley. Um, I think it happened uh, recently in a game as well. We just don't learn. And if we got specialist set pieces, coach, can they get fined or have their wages withheld because they're not earning their, they're not earning their money at the moment. That's awful. Well, don't worry like that. And from a position where we uh, where we had tested them and nothing yeah. happened. Here we go again, chasing the game. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting... Dave, the goal, it was sloppy, wasn't it? Yeah, because, it, you know, as, as Mark just said, Ray was standing unmarked. There was nobody behind Callas. So, you know, who was guarding that far side of the box? It was a sloppy goal, wasn't it? It, it is. And I, th I think, you know, this is, this is what you've got to review and, and look at how you're defending them. I think whether it's Chris Martin or Fabaragis, you've doing the near post. I think we've done that pretty successfully all season. So, you know, bearing in mind, everyone said, oh my God, we're going to be in real trouble if Fam's not mm. playing. Well, Fam's started four games this season and Chris Martin's done the near post job pretty well. I don't, I don't, I don't think we've conceded a near post goal all, all season. So I think that, you know, from that point of view, we've, we've, we've been successful. I think Bentley in terms of predominantly coming off his line and punching or catching has been, has been pretty good. So I think we've done that pretty well. But, what we've not done very well is 
pick up our runners. And uh, Harry and myself were having a bit of debate about this last night on the on the on the forum. And I think you know the the, the instant reaction was, "What's bloody Callas doing?" You know, he's left his man again. But I think you, I, I took I took four mm. four steals last night of, of that corner, and, and what you'll find is that we've got four players marking their four players. But actually, because it's so congested, it's really easy to just block runners off, peel someone from the front of the the group of four yeah. round the back, which is what Ray did. So he wasn't left unmarked. He actually just peeled around the back as as they all moved off in different directions. And if you actually line them up one one for one or man for man against each other then you actually see that Ray was Zach Viner's man. But then Viner's then trapped the wrong man, and then Callas has been left with two. And and, and that's that's the kind of thing that happens. And, and we were debating last night where actually everyone moans about zonal defence. But in that kind of setup where they condense four players really close together, and then they're all going to make different runs, you can't man-mark because they'll block you off. Someone yeah. will spin right back and you can't get there. So you have to think about it differently. And that's you know, that that's the learning that we now need to see taken into future games. Because actually we we've been blocked off quite a lot recently. And I think people have worked out that we'll mark man to man and have decided, well, we'll just stick four blokes close together and we'll scatter our runs and we'll do them that way. And if we get the ball in the right spot, we've got a good chance. And that's exactly what's happening. So we'll we, we see what happens from yeah. this point onwards. But it wasn't Callis's man, but I think as a defensive unit, no. marking... And if he'd have just got to get someone on the header, head. if, if it, yeah, it was defensive, not good. Yeah, it's break. And, and if he'd have got something on the header, it probably would have sailed over the top and, and got away. He, um, Ian, I mean, we go a goal down, but go on. Well, Callis... Has done one thing wrong in the fact he's got attracted to and then got sucked under the ball. So he's jumped, the ball went what a foot over his head. He was never going to make that header. Um, so he's he's not got great awareness. Um, somebody's just said on air, um, why is there no one on the back post? Well, years ago, and it was normally the fullbacks would one would go on each post, and the number of times you saw those guys clear the ball off the line was unbelievable. For some reason, we've stopped doing it. Now, it may be that we have to go back um, to doing that because it, it's, it's a corner. You're not going to, you know, there's no chance you're going to catch people offside or, or very little unless the ball comes out and you all run out and the ball comes straight back in again. But I, I thought it, it, it's this thing about not learning. And why have you got the goalkeeping coach or one of the two goalkeeping coaches um, on on defensive set pieces or attacking set pieces? I'm not quite sure. There's way too many. I, I really don't get this. I mean, years ago, you, you, you probably had the manager and the assistant and the physio um, on the bench. There seems to be yeah. an absolute army. Of these people well, now. Let's, let's come on to that. Let's come on to that later, Ian, because you know that's something that I want to focus on there. Is because we've got again, we've got too many average people coaching this side, and not enough uh, good ones. I mean, looking at the balance of the fir- looking at the balance of the first half, we had uh, Naki Wells again, ineffectual from him. Set up Semenyo, who I thought didn't do too bad. Good shot saved by Sluger, who's not a great goalkeeper by all accounts, and then. Uh, just on the half hour, Hunt crossed the ball in and Martin's header hit the bar. I mean, Mark, uh, Wells and Martin up front. Um, it's so pedestrian, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, those two chances, they weren't, they weren't real. 
chances. They were just the only other attempts I've got on goal from us in that opening 45. What did you think? Yeah, I think from from about the, the 25th minute onwards, we, we looked good for about for about 10 minutes, and we were we were getting crosses from both from both sides. I think Semenya went down, tried to get a penalty, but it would have been soft. Uh, and then uh, Semenya had that shot from from the right, when pro- possibly it'd be better to hit it hard across the box because Martin and Wells are following in. But no, it, I think that it, it's it's the the movement is is quite pedestrian and. Uh, we're getting into good positions. Uh, I mean, we got behind the defence a few times last night, but nothing's come of it. I mean, there were in the second half there was Masengo failed to get on the end of a ball, and similarly in the first half, it there's no there's it's just not not uh, you know having any shots any shots on goal. And when we do, there's none on there's yeah, not any on target. That's no, the problem. It's the quality in that, in that final third. Yeah, well, you said, I think I was going to comment on that point when Nagy, Naj burst into the box and uh, put a good cross in and Masengo coming in on the left, he just overran the ball. But that had come a couple of moments. We're into the second half now after a right-wing cross came in and James Collins unmarked on the D, just inside the D. And, and that was after a loose pass from Backinson, who I've written down a number of times he lost uh, possession. We used to give Casey Palmer... Uh, grief for doing that but um, that was a save from Bentley Dave wasn't it that was you know you cut him some slack for maybe not dealing with the 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 the, the, the second goal when it came but your thoughts uh, Dave on the Bentley's uh, save but yeah it was going really good the save. sloppiness that led up to it I, yeah and, and, and that happened all, o- all over the pitch the, the number of square balls our two central midfielders played that didn't get to their man was was astonishing, really. It was just, you know, it caused us so many so many problems. When sometimes we we secured quite decent possession, and you thought well, that's okay, we're moving it, and then we just give away a silly pass, and and you know, and, and they they punished us last night for it. And you know, fair play to Zach Viner. I think he got a, he put a, enough pressure on Collins to make it make him kind of snatch it a little bit. But Bentley stood up and made a really really good save, and you thought. At that point, especially when we then went and, and scored, a few, you know, a few minutes later, you thought that's probably the thing that's kind of turned this game. Um, and maybe we might get something. Maybe we might get something. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just yeah. just slop, sloppy. And I think you know. And I know, I know it was an own goal. I know it was an own goal. Yeah, I know, I know our goal was an own goal, Dave. But what a great pass that was by Semenyo. You know, it literally setting up Wells, and um, you know, their bloke. Well, he, he had to. Knock it in, but that was a good pass by Semenya. Yeah, wasn't well, it? he was yeah. probably our, our brightest player last night. Still, too many bits he doesn't do well, but you know, against a fairly low bar, you know, he was, he was my only one that scraped above a six last night. You know, far, far too many fives in the in the team last night. But Semenya, Semenya, oh. I think was our, was our brightest player. <laughs> we come up. Well, I got a yeah, few four. He was. No, Ian, I mean, the second goal, again, calamity. Callas, I watched it a couple of times on replay. Callas sort of scuffed his clearance. Backinson, weak pass out. And then Dewsbury Hall, as I say, sounds like a stately home or something like that. <laughs> 20 yards out. Rene Gilmartin was trying to give the excuse as goalkeepers do. Oh, well, he lost his footing. But, uh, you know, should, should Benson stop that one? Or was it, you know, was it a decent shot? Created by bad, well, mistimed clearances. Ian, your thoughts on the what proved to be the winning goal? Well, that was Dewsbury Hall's first ever goal for Luton, um, so he's not Mr. <laughs> Prolific. 
Um, I was annoyed at Okay, Callas was a scuff, but that didn't actually get us in the trouble. It was Backinson trying to pass through somebody, and as Dave alluded to earlier on, um, Backinson and Naj aren't going to perform in a two-man midfield in the championship. Forget it. It's not going to happen. They need a third player in there with them. But you've got to play a formation that allows that and they can all do the same job and they all want to. So essentially they all want to be, if you like the, the most defensive of the three midfield players. So you've got essentially three players who want to play holding midfield. I, I would argue that probably uh, none of them can and they can't do it well. Um, but with, with Backinson, he's a young lad and it, for every good thing that he does, and he does some really good things, a little bit like Dave was saying about Semenyo, he, he does some really bad things. Uh, so square, Naj did it as well. Square balls that were too long, too hopeful, not struck well enough, and got picked off and opened us up. Um, so, uh, you know, coming back to the... I know we'll get on to the manager later on, but... It, you know, I wrote down a lot of things last night before the game. So I wrote down poor passing, gifting the ball to the opposition, stroke sloppy, wasteful in possession, lacking tempo in attack and physical weakness all over the field, but particularly in midfield. Now, I wrote that down 20 minutes before we started. So if, if I can see it, and, and these championship clubs have got analysts all over us. They, they can see it as well. And this comes back to, once again, I'll keep saying it, he's not learning. Well, we come on, we come on to Holden in a second. Let's quickly go through uh, the marks. I'll do mine first, then I'll come to you, Mark. Uh, uh, I mean, I gave Bent a five. Um, maybe that could have been a six. Across the back four, Hunt six, Viner six, Callas five, Rowe five, in the middle, Nash six, Backinson and Masengo four each, up front, Semenyo six. Martin five and Wells five. Your thoughts, uh, Mark, on those on those marks, uh, higher or lower in I, general? I, I'm not going to argue with any of those. Um, it's just completely frustrated by the whole thing. And yeah, I don't think Mark, Mark's a very very high in my estimation. I think it just yeah, I go I go with that. I don't really want want to mark any of the players because it, it just just thinking of that game fills <laughs> me with dread really. So no, I wouldn't argue with any of them at all. Well, I would just go back to the end of the game, uh, David. I think the one thing we missed was we had one chance at the end really where Backinson had shot blocks. It went out to Semenyo and he hit the ball hard across the box and Wells didn't get to it. The game really ended. Once Hunt had to go off, I'd imagine perhaps his, his, his day was done. But as soon as Mariapa went on, we had nothing down the right and the game just fizzled out. That was it. After uh, Hunt went off, we just couldn't create anything. Yeah. A sad no, that's, uh, a very that's, sad that's very true. To a sad night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's not let's not dwell on the marks actually, because you know it's a bit it's a bit academic because there's the bigger issues to talk about. And Dave, if I come to you next, Holden's interview on uh, Radio Bristol afterwards. I mean, there's a long thread on uh, here, and the general view is that you know he thought we were the better team. Yeah, uh, I mean, come on, you know he's running. He was seen as Mister Honest to begin with, but it's wearing a bit thin now, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, I think there's probably some left. Hello, Dave. Yeah, you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I think there's some 
there's yeah, got some yeah. protectionism going on in terms of trying to keep the you know the the players you know from being thrown under the bus. I I I, I doubt he really thought we were the best team last night. I think you got to understand he's not going to come out and necessarily be totally honest um, after a performance like that. There were some good bits, but yeah, no, I think he's just showed a, a public a public face there rather than probably what he said in the change room. It must it must be hurtful for him, uh, Dave, or any manager when you've got and this was a couple of weeks ago, Gary Rowett saying he with the easiest tactical challenge he has had. I mean, do you think that's harsh for a fellow manager to say that? Or maybe Sarah Grapes that maybe he was interviewed for the job at some point. And, uh, you know, he's, he's bitter. It, it's a, it's a it's a cheap shot, but so what? You know, <laughs> you know, if anything. I'd have had that pinned up in the in the dressing room and be using that as my motivation for for the next game for my own players. So, you know, I think you take it both ways. Really, I think you know, if if we're worried about what opposition managers are saying and let it letting it affect us, then uh, we've got bigger problems. Yeah, I mean, Ian, I, I said let's get on to the coaches now. I, we don't see too many uh, images of. Uh, uh, the coaches on the bench, but everyone that I saw last night showed me that Holden was stood there, hand on his chin, looking very thoughtful. Keith Downing was sat there like a little old man in the front row of the stand, just offering nothing. I did see Simpson chatting a few times. We've got Pat Mount in there and Cisse. Yeah, you know, and if you look at, you know, if you look at, if you look at the players, the, I, I, I never heard of Pat Mount before. You might tell me that he's got some credibility somewhere in his career. But you've got Downing, Simpson, Cissé, all played at a reasonable level. Poor old Dean Holden spent most of his time in the lower leagues. You know, as you said, Ian, there's five blokes on the bench, yeah? And at one stage, when Dean was opening his mouth, you could see Simpson shouting as well, what What the hell is going on? Yeah? I'm, this is what's doing my head in at the moment. I'm just, you know... He's not being supported by decent coaches because they don't seem to be adding anything, do they? Ian? Well, you, you know, with respect, Dave, you don't know that. I don't know that. It, it, you don't know what's going on down there on a daily or weekly basis. Um, I, I hate it. By the way, and this is if if the Robbins TV or the guy that films it is is watching. I know it's a syndicated thing, but please, 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 please. Show us the game. I, when you know when we've got the ball, and we're attacking. I don't want to see a picture of Dean Olden scratching his backside or wandering around <sighs> in the technical area, staring at the floor. That does nothing for me. So please come and watch feed, it. Isn't it Ian? It's, it's yeah, not please, our own please. It's not our own cameras. No, please, Sky do it as well. Please, can we watch the game? I know what Dean Olden looks like. I don't need to see a picture of him wandering around the technical area. Yeah, so annoying, now I've now I've got that off my chest. Um, my my view is, you have to take the injuries into account. I don't know how the the, the coaching's uh, broken down into who does what. Uh, players will always tell you the same thing when new coaches come in. They'll always tell you the training's great. It's diff- different classes the word they use, and I've I've heard that expression for every manager. Is ever joined? Oh, Ian, mate, that the training's different class. It's different class. Six months later, the bloke's gone. Um, so we've got to look at it. It's all about one thing, and that's results. And 
my view is even though we've got, I, I put a team on, on on Twitter last night saying, look, this is this is what we could actually pick if everyone was fit. And it was vastly superior to what we had last night. Now, we can't do that. So we just have to do much better with what we've got. And my fear is we are not doing that. My big fear when Dean Olden got the job was it was continuity Lee. And, and for me, I can't see anything that's changed at all. Yeah, no, I, I think you make uh, a good a good point there. I mean, Mark, your your thoughts on the on the coaching setup? You know, because you've got people on here uh, listening and commenting on the, the message series. Bear Boy seventy nine put a couple of comments in there, and yeah, are they mentally are they mentally weak? Is there a leader on the pitch? Callas is probably the strongest individual but you know even he's not vocal like we've seen some city uh, I'll call them warriors in days gone by you know and we can probably rattle off a few names if we chose to do but what is the something fundamentally wrong and I say if we hadn't had that sprint start to the season with those four wins it's now 21 points in the last 18 games right that's relegation form but you know is it is it the coaching is Dean out of his depth mark well, going back to the setup, um, I think Keith Downing's the, the analysis man. We've often seen him in the uh, in the stands at Ashton Gate making notes, you know, sort of rugby union style. And, and I imagine perhaps he's mic'd up uh, down to the down to the touchline. So Simpson's more uh, more in the technical area. Although I don't I don't know if you've ever seen him running about. And obviously Dean's out there on the side of the pitch. But you think with three heads should be should be better than one really. And I think they, either they were brought in by, I think they may have been brought in by Ashton. I think Ashton must have a relationship somewhere with Keith Downing through West Brom. He was there a number of years. I think some people discovered a tenuous link to Paul Simpson and as well. That they, not, we should really be. It's not a tenuous link. He was Dean Olden's manager at Shrewsbury. So he, that, the, without doubt, Paul Simpson's there because of Dean Holden. Keith oh, because of Dean Eldon. My apologies. Keith, I thought Keith, it might be Mike Keith, Keith Downing. Keith Downing, you, you probably need to say, now, was that then off the back of something Mark Ashton, you know, within the FA, or is it actually... Yeah. Paul Simpson said, well, if you're taking me for the England set, I mean, Keith, Keith Downing's available as well. We, we, don't, we don't know that, but certainly Dean Holden, boss at Shrewsbury, and it, it was Dean Holden that called him. And asked him to get back in. Uh, he's, he's actually said yeah. That he's Sorry, I didn't know that. That's okay. Not just going back. Going back. Mark just started correcting. No, no, that's fair enough. Well, those those are the facts. Can't argue with facts. Um, I mean, going back to what you said, David, I think we're mentally weak. Um, but and this has been a, this has been a problem for seasons. We just don't have. I mean, we look at our fouls count. Probably about four or five last night. Lots of other teams do tactical fouls. Um, I think there was another one in the middle when when uh, I think uh, a player went through the back of Semenya. We don't do that. We're just too too nice all round. Uh, there's there's no aggressive streak there. Everybody seems very very comfortable at the moment. You could say the excuse. Well, we do do that. The point you make too nice. Yeah. When you yeah, say we're too nice, we're, but we do stupid. Yeah, when you say we're too nice, we do stupid, niggly little fouls, don't we? Yeah, that are just going to piss off the referee. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, from that uh, perspective. Yeah, rather than full-blooded tackles. Is that the point you're getting at there, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, but we're not we're not we're nowhere near near a, dir- a dirty team, and I don't think we make we 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 get in we get in players' faces enough. We don't we're not a press we're not a pressing team. We're not a direct team. Um, we're not a passing team. Like you said to me out of the uh, out of the podcast that we've got no identity really. We at the moment it's a it's a complete and utter mess. And with four players at the end of that game, we just you know tried to throw the kitchen sink at it. But when Jiju came on, there were no crosses into the box. The guy already had a touch. It, it, it was a complete and utter waste of time. And at the moment, it just seems to be a real mess. There just seems to be no plan A or plan B. We just don't know what we're doing. And we're going away from home, whereas we seem to have some structure with 3-5-2 up to a point. We go a goal behind and we're constantly chasing the game. And then we're making these silly mistakes Casual mistakes from the likes of Backinson, uh, Nash to an extent, and we're we're easily picked off by sides now that just know that Bristol City are a nice soft touch who can be easily who can be quite easily beaten. Uh, we, you know, but we'll play into a certain tactic, give them the ball, and, and they'll make a mess of it. We don't, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, Dave, this is the ball under pressure. Pre- yeah, sorry, go on, Dave. No, go on. I was just going to. I was going to come to you. You carry on. You carry on what you're about to say. There, go on. Yeah. yeah. I think. I think there's a big, a big difference. If you were a Bristol City player receiving the ball against most Championship sides, you, you're probably thinking, right? If I don't take a, a good touch, I'm, I'm either going to lose the ball or I'm going to get clattered. I, I don't think opposition players feel the same against Bristol City. They, they might get a, a little, you know, shove. From you know a Calibo Dowder or you know or from Naj or some of that give away a you know a soft a soft free kick which probably wasn't necessary in the first place, but we we don't ever we don't ever hurt anyone in a tackle, or, or very very occasionally we might, we might do most of the time it's it, it's it's soft as as, as Mark's, Mark's just basically uh, told us that we we're not we're not a hard team and that doesn't mean you have to be dirty you just have to be committed and I don't think we're committed at the tackle there's too many dangled legs you know, Backinson's uh, early tackle that he got fouled on was because he he dangled his leg in you know that that's that's why he got he got a bit hurt yeah that's right that very first one it was a hard-hearted intent te- wasn't it yeah yeah that that's basic technique and that's not being committed to the cause you know I. I got a bloody hole in my shin because I went in to, you know, block tackle someone knowing he's gone over the top of the ball, you know, with City that have dangled a leg in. And, you know, that, 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 that's what's missing out there. There's a, there's a big lack of commitment, not just in tackles, but to make angles, to be brave to receive the ball, to just do the hard yards to make it easier for your teammate. And that's the big issue out there. One of one of the issues out there. Well, and that's the issue because well, one of the issues because Dino, you know, Dino to the players, yeah, all happy with him because he's Mr. Soft Touch. I mean, if you look at the two people that are his principal assistants, there's nobody there who's the good cop, bad cop, which is the strength of any managerial uh, setup. I mean, Ian, we're getting to the stage now, really, whereas we we need to have standing up behind the lectern either Mark Ashton or Junior Lansdowne saying, look, this is a season like no other, right? We have been hit by injuries. We are not going to spend in the transfer window. Yeah, this season is a write-off. We're really sorry that our players that we signed in the, you know, the Williams and the Walsh, when he was here before, you know, they're, they're not going to be fit. 
let's write this season off and, you know, we're going to aim to get 55... We're going to... We're not going to be in the bottom. We're not going to get. We're not going to get relegated. But you know, this is a statement that this is a consolidation season, which I was saying two months ago. You know, Holden's got a free hit, and somebody above him, because at the moment he's the one who's taking all the penalties. Somebody above him should come and speak out because they're fast enough in doing that, Mister Ashton, when things are going well. But give the man some support and say what we're going to do. And Ian, you know what. What should we do? The transfer window is just around the corner. You know, it looks like Williams ain't going to play this season, period. Yeah? Is there, is, is there a what, question in here anywhere? So from the club now, and they've not got a great record in terms of communicating with them. No, I'm just having a rant. I'm having a rant, to be fair. Yeah, right? well, calm, you know, calm, I'm, I'm, calm I'm, down, you know. Calm enough. down, I'll, an, I'll, an, I'll answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, this season fun. isn't a free hit from where we are. We've got a great chance of making the playoffs if, if, and if is the world, world's biggest word, we play well. And I think the problem with the fans at the moment, in my humble opinion, and from what I read and what I hear, isn't the fact that we're winning a game, losing a game, and losing more than we're winning. It's how we're playing. It's the same thing as the Leeds fans a yeah. few weeks ago and the Newcastle fans. They were in exact, more or less exactly the same place. The Newcastle fans are completely up in arms because of the way that the team's playing. And the Leeds fans are all rallying around Bielsa saying, yeah, but look how well we're playing. We've just had a bit of bad luck. Now, that's the difference. Uh, the chance of uh, John Lansdowne or Mark Ashton standing up and saying anything like you've said, you've got more chance of seeing a polar bear walk past your front garden when you next look out the window. So just forget it. That's not going to happen. They're not going to say, well, we're going to write this season off because that would be a terrible thing to say and they get pelters for that. And they're both keeping their heads down because the coach always takes um, takes the fall and they will not get rid of him quickly because at that point they'd have to put their hands up and say, got it wrong again, Dad. And they're not going to do that. So forget that. That's not going to happen. Uh, our only chance is if we can be, uh, to use that well-worn phrase, there or thereabouts when the injured players come back, and it won't be in January, it'll be in February at the earliest for all of them, and three of them, De Silva, Williams and Weinman, are out for the season. So you ain't going to see them this year. Uh, so coming back to your other point, the transfer window, yeah, we need to recall Palmer and recall Campring, and we need to sign three players, assuming no one leaves, we need to sign three players. Uh, a left-sided centre-back, a holding midfield player, a sort of guy that looks like um, he's, he, he's just murdered his parents and you wouldn't want to go anywhere near it. <laughs> and, and and the other guy is a, is a creative midfielder. So if you want names, uh, I can't think of a holding player like that, although they're about... I would say Bannon is your creative guy in midfield if you can get him and he's out of contract in June and Sheffield went here in a mess. Um, and Phillips at Liverpool, if we can get a centre-back out of Liverpool, and that will only be if they sign one or two themselves. So we don't have to wait. But that's what we need. Um, and with effectively getting five players back in, we'd be able to freshen up the squad. We'd have a wider range of formations and you never know your luck. O'Dowden might not have got a bad hamstring injury and he might be back 
to be able to play left wing. Uh, but I still don't think tactically uh, Dean Oldner or any of the guys have, have got it. And that's my honest opinion. And in terms of players, we haven't got championship midfielders week in, week out. We've got blokes that are um, five, six out of ten players. They're all right. But but that's as far as it goes. That's my yeah, opinion. Would you concur with that, Mark? That you know he's, he he needs to go out and strengthen. I believe that. Well, I see it because we have a habit of getting players in on loan that aren't any better than what we've got. And Casey Palmer coming back, you know, he went out for a reason because he wasn't that great. But what what do you see happening in the uh, transfer window? I think yeah. I mean, the, the problem is with with expenditure going through the roof with no income. Unless, unless we sell players, which ain't going to happen because the only assets we got are probably Dan Bentley and, and Famara uh, coming to the end of his contract. There won't be any, any money coming in. So, yeah, bring Pring back, doing what it's uh, Portsmouth uh, as left back, need an aggressive central midfield player, definitely, because there needs to be nobody in the club who can put his foot through the ball. But I think we also need another striker. Um, impossible though it may sound because Shiju is managing an injury. We don't know how bad his groin injury is, but he couldn't he, he, he couldn't start a game last night. He couldn't start a game against, against Wickham. So we just, I mean, playing Wells and Martin every week. Um, why did why did uh, Sam Bell only get three minutes? That was a complete waste of time. Please give the lad 10, 15 minutes. He couldn't have done any any worse than Wells at the, towards the end of the, the, end of the game. Apparently, Mark... Really, uh, I'm really struggling for players, aren't we? Well, no, I mean, Dave, signing a striker. Oh, sorry, cramp, I didn't know that. Yeah, cramping. Cramp, right. Yeah. There you go again, you see, these facts. You know, you can't fight quad. facts, can you? That's the latest no, injury. You've got to have, if you have anything, it's your quad. What, no, what Holden said he was cramping up. And it was, yeah, I, a lot of players I saw, are cramping up, weren't they? I saw someone on Twitter say it was a tight, tight quad, but Holden said he, he was cramping up, so I took him off. But we're struggling. I mean, we're really struggling for players. We're almost putting the same team uh, out, out every week out of necessity. And, and really, I think, you know, in an ideal world, Martin would, could have a rest and, and we could put Jiju in. But we just don't know the extent of Jiju's groin injury. Is he just holding on for dear life until he needs an operation? I think we need to bring another player in. But is that impossible? What's, you know, what do you think? Well, is, we... And is Dijou, is, is anybody going to come in for Dijou when he's got this groin problem? You know, nobody's going to buy him if he can only manage 30 minutes now. So he's going to go for nothing in the summer. Yeah, amongst yeah, 14 probably, million, 14 million pounds anyway. I mean, he's probably a decent bloke, but he's Dave, Dave he's, we've got 14 million player, yeah. pounds worth of players. That's what we paid for them out of contract and leaving for nothing in June. And I'd like, when you're talking about get John Lansdowne and Mark Ashnut for an explanation, boy, would I like an explanation of that. Because if I did that in any job I've ever had, I'd have found myself in jail, Never, never mind sacked. I think there's well, assets waste away. Well, you can't you can't Basically buy players. Waste, for, well, yeah. you you can you can you know you can't buy players for fourteen million quid, and then just let them go for nothing. Or perhaps you can, but if that's what we're doing, I'd really like to have it explained as to why I, we're doing it. I, I think you're right, Ian. I think you know there's a simple answer, which says we're waiting to see how or we we hung on recontracts because we didn't know what was happening with COVID. There's probably a, a slightly 
less sane answer that says, oh, we're hanging on because if we get promoted, then we'll be looking at a different pot of players, which I, I don't think is the way to plan. And I, and I think there's another one which says, we haven't really got a clue what our recruitment strategy is. And we're and we're and you're right. We're we're in danger of of throwing money away. I I I, I don't see the the continuity and the succession planning in there. And I haven't done for for a good couple of years in terms of what we're trying to do. I I, I look at the summer and and I think if we were if our policy is to buy young players that we can develop with the odd experienced player in there to you know fill a perhaps a more short-term, you know, over a, a season or two. Absolutely fine. And, and to some extent, you might say, well, Joe Williams was the start of that. Let's not talk about injuries at this point. You know, I think we all saw the saw the sense of that. And I think there's a, there's a point that says we should be perhaps trying to pillage those types of players from the less affluent clubs in our division. So almost a bit of a repeat of what, what Steve Cottrell did back in the summer of 2014, yeah. where he said, right, I'm going to go and get the best young... He didn't get the best players in the division. He got the best young players from the clubs he knew he could go and bully. So, he, you know, he took he took um, Luke Freeman from Stevenage, who, who couldn't hang on to him. Basically, Freeman was going to go on a free. Stevenage were going to get, get compensation for him. And they said, well, offer him a contract and then we'll buy him off you. And that's that's kind of what happened. And we got him for a, a snip in reality. Um, yeah. we, we picked up Martin Little on a, on a free track. So we picked up Luke Aylin from a relegated Yeovil because we knew we could bully them in terms of signing. But that's that's what we did. And that's what we should be doing to, you know, your Barnsleys, your Coventries, all those types of sides. Then we're just going to pinch and mess young and players. Dave, and Dave, who was leading, who was leading those charges? Yeah, Bar- Barnsley yeah, can't, Barnsley's wages are rock bottom. We'd have no problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave, who was leading those transfer negotiations, though, in the summer of 2014? Because, you know, that was, you know, Cottrell. I know it was a lower Steve, level, but he Steve came Cottrell, in. Steve Cottrell and Keith Burt. There you go. Keith Burt. So they did that. None of the fancy Mark Ashton, who sort of no, suddenly appeared on the scene six months later, I think. And and it's interesting. Somebody I'll tell you the sequence. I'll, I'll tell you the secret sequence on this. Though. Go on. Mark Ashton came in as a consultant under Sean O'Driscoll, under his tenure, and they implement or they try to implement hmm. a, a scouting database and process and system. And when Steve Cottrell came in, him and Keith Burtz threw it in the bin and said, we'll, we prefer to use our eyes to scout people and then we'll have our people that we trust out there in the scouting network to, to, to be our eyes as well. And, and that's how they worked. Then, yeah. obviously, a successful season. Didn't go well the next, the next season, as, as we know. And Mark Ashton then allegedly came back in. He, he left his job in Oxford and he came in behind the scenes before he was officially appointed and I think it's fair to say he was brought in to get rid of Steve Cottrell. And I expect Steve Cottrell knew that as soon as Mark Ashton came in, having thrown out all of his stuff when he first arrived, Mark Ashton coming back in was probably like the Grim Reaper coming back in. And Cottrell knew his cards were marked and knew he was on his way. And I think that's when you start to see even more tantrums coming out from, from Cots. And, you know, don't, don't be fooled by Ashton of being appointed in January. He was, he was in behind the scenes in, in December when he when he left Oxford. He was on the scene before then. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's kind of what happened. So yeah. I think 
there's a big problem with with recruitment. I, but he's I, got I, his own I, favorite agency. Ashton Ashton's got his own favorite agency as well, hasn't he? Because he likes dealing with this outfit called Vasselman, who are apparently so, the so, agents for Walsh and Williams. So, Suppose yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's only that's only two players, so that's a a, a bit of a. I think I, I think let's you, all, you can't you you can't bottom that out, can you? I mean, if, if there was no. ten players down there from, I'd all, say so. But Ian, I don't, that I don't as well. you can Va- say that. Va- that's not Vas- fair. Vasserman are a massive agency, and actually, Vasserman bought up the agency that Lee Johnson and Callum O'Dowda and several other players were part of. So they're just they're just a big agency. They, I, I don't know how many players they've got on their books, but but across multiple subsidiaries, they probably cover a lot of city players, and and, and players do move around with with agents. That's, that's the, the the way that that business works. I I I wouldn't sit here today and say Mark Asher uses players from Vasserman. I, I think that's I think you're dodging right. around saying okay. things like that. Yeah. But I w- but I would say that our recruitment is flawed, and we've. You know, we've made some fantastic money by selling players in an inflationary market, and I don't think we've got full value from the players that we've brought back in with that money. I think we've wasted a load of a load of that money, and I think that's because we haven't looked critically at how we should do recruitment. And I think there's too much based on data and not enough with with eyes. I don't I don't believe that Lee Johnson didn't get a say on players. I, I think if that's if that's the case, then I think you you call you call Steve Lansdowne and Mark Ashton's bluff and say I, I refuse to work under those under those conditions if if I'm not allowed to choose the players that you want me to to put into my first team squad. But yeah, that's that's my quite, quite quite strong opinion on all of that stuff. How, how does that compare? If you're, if you're Lee Johnson that, told me that he had he had final say on incoming. Yeah, and he told me to my face. And Mark Ashton, in a, yeah. in a completely different conversation, told me the same thing. I, I agree. And I think I think if, if Lee Johnson didn't get final say on incomings, then he might as well. If he really backs himself as a manager, it's an argument I've had on OTIP a number of times. If you back yourself as a manager, which I'm sure Lee Johnson did, his ego's big enough, you'd basically mm-hmm. say, right, it's me, me or him. And you, you back yourself. If Lansdowne backs Mark Ashton, that you'd go and find yourself a job somewhere else if you think you're that good. So I actually think he, you know, all it's, it's very convenient that the bad players are the players that Lee Johnson didn't want, and the good players are the, the players that Lee Johnson won. I, I, I don't buy it. I really don't. And I Can I ask a question? Right. I think, I think you're right. And and the, the the issue that you've got there with with recruitment, you've got the issue of budgets. I'm sure Mark Ashton, Dean Olden would love us to go and get Lionel Messi. But it's never going to happen. And I think it, our, our only alternative at the moment with the injuries we've got is to play, is to blood some, not all of them, of the younger players. Like, we need a, if we play a three, we need a left-sided centre-back. Tyler, that's where he plays. Now, Gary Hours made a point um, on Radio Bristol last night where he said, trouble is with these lads, is they're not playing any football. They're not playing under 23 games because they're in the first team yeah. bubble. So he said, you you have to be careful. But um, on on Saturday against Brentford, um, start, uh, you know, if you want to put Chris Martin, put give Sam Bell a, a debut and, and Riley Tyler. Play a 3-5-2 or even, 
yes, play a three-five-two, and and if it's not working for Sam Bell, after half an hour, you've got five substitutes. Take the kid off. Yeah, Where, where's the problem? No, you make, you're a, good not you make a good point. You make a good point. Yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right, Ian. You're not going to know until you've got these. Yeah, yeah. Let me just spin. That's one of the threads on the OTIB is if we were playing the youngsters and we were losing. Now, if we were losing three or four. Playing youngsters, people would be kicking off, but we'd much sooner see Riley Towler come in, play in his best position, or even a Cameron Pring if he comes back, play at left back, but play with a bit of spirit and a bit of you know aggression. And I think the fans would be happy, Mark. Yeah, I, I think I think they would, and we've got no choice but to play some of the youngsters. I just want to go back very quickly um, this debate about data. Now, doesn't Matthew Benham at Brentford? They didn't. They didn't have those millions that they got for uh, Ben Ben Rama and Morpe, you know, a, a few years ago. But don't they use use data? You know, you predominantly in their transfer dealings as well to, to purchase players. How does that differ? Uh, you to uh, you know compared to our own our own tra- our own recruitment policy. If you, well, I can tell you that that the uh, Brentford's uh, guy uh, in Europe, where they've got some of their players, is a retired um, school teacher, mm-hmm. and um, he is the one responsible for uh, the Ben Ramas uh, of this world. Um, we were offered um, the lad that went to Villa. What's it? Is that Cox? Watkins. What's the name of the guy? Ollie Watkins. 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 We were offered him by Paul Tisdale, and we said no thanks. So that was Ollie Watkins. He went straight past the front door from Exeter straight up to Brentford. Now, this is what I'm talking about. about. With with Watkins. Carry on, then. I'll I'll let my chip in. Yeah, and and one one great thing. For example, this season, we've brought in um, more money than we've spent out. And one one of the players we sold was a player who had 16 assists last season. That was Nicolaisen. And God knows how many chances he actually created because those are just assists that were turned into goals. So we, we didn't replace him. He went, he wanted to go because he wasn't playing regular football. So that's something else we've missed. Now, the, the next highest assist guy was Jack Hunt, <laughs> who put in the only decent cross, well, say the only decent, the only productive cross of the game last night. There were some other crosses that just flashed across the penalty area and no one was in the box to get on the end of them. Um, but, I, I, you know, it, one minute you're playing... You, to play 4-4-2 with uh, Masengo on the left wing as such, I just don't know... I, I just cannot imagine the thinking that leads to that. And a great no. man once said, you never solve a problem with the thinking that created it. And there's still too much of the thinking that created the problem left down at Ashton Gate. And if you look at all the stats, we are no more than bang yeah. average and we're not getting better. Or you do what you've always done, you get what yeah. you've always got, I suppose, is yes. something similar, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. so what was going to change? Dave, you were... You were- you were going to talk about Watkins and uh, the saga of how we missed uh, missed him, yeah? Yeah, I, 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 I think, you know, in terms of him being heavily scouted by Bristol City, when it came to 
making a bid for him. I think, actually, Tisdale sold him the dream of Brentford, not Bristol City, and actually set up lots of things for him up in London to make it a bid. Because, actually, he thought from an extra point of view, I think Ollie Watkins will succeed there and actually will take a slightly lower fee than what Bristol City are offering because we'll have a bigger sell-on. And, and, and that, that's, the, that's what I've heard around, around Watkins. In terms of Brentford's recruitment, you know, they've, they've also got a B-team model where they bring people in. They've got a massive link with, however you pronounce it, Midget Land in, in, in Denmark because that's where um, Rankers, sorry, what's his name? Ankers Rasmussen, they're one of their kind of CEOs who's massively data-focused is, is based. Um, and, they, and they use a combination of good scouting and good data to, to, to do it, but they don't rely totally on data. Sure. A lot of, a lot of it's done with the eyes, and, and, and then they'll run it through data as well. And I think I, I couldn't honestly tell you how our recruitment works. We've heard stories of how it works. We've heard there's a database, but there's more to a database than just going in football manager and saying, I want a left winger with pace 15 plus, etc. It, it don't work like that. But I, I think our critical ability to look at a player and find out whether they, one, if they're any good, two, would they be good enough to play in the championship in Bristol City system is another kettle of fish because what is our system? And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm probably going back more into the Lee Johnson era here because we never played the same system. You know, and we can we can talk about Eliasson. Eliasson didn't fit the system we played individually. Did some great things last season, but our results of him in in the yep. team weren't weren't any better with with him out of the team. And and that's where we we've got mixed up recruitment. Yeah. So it's a bit of a mess. And getting back to Eliasson, I mean, he's not exactly uh, pulling up trees. <clears throat> Over in, uh, in side, wherever it is he's playing now, somebody commented on Reed, his Reed, results it, and he's been in and out. France. Of no, he Reed, can't get in the side at the moment. Really, that's it. That's it, guys. Um, look, we let's look forward to uh, the next game because we're just coming up for the hour. And what a next game it is to have! I mean, <laughs> sure we can. I mean, Brentford, Brentford are everything we are capable of being. Yeah, but we do seem light years away. They do everything better than us. Now we're probably going to win 1-0 with a goal from bloody whoever at the weekend. I wish. But not a great game to start the new year with, uh, Mark, is it? That's the last place you want to go, to that horrible new ground of theirs with those multicoloured seats that look ghastly. But uh, Brentford, um, you know, three goal plus uh, home win, would you say, Mark? It, it looks like that on paper and they're unbeaten in 15. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't bear thinking about. They've got an identity. They, I think they play 4-3-3 four, four, three, three, uh, with, you know, with ro- rotating front three and a very solid midfield with those, with, those, uh, with those Scandinavian players and just play football the way it should be played, pass and move the ball. And, and I think their next big star is probably Josh De Silva on the right, big, powerful right-sided midfield player who can also score mm-hmm. goals like he did against uh, against Newcastle in the, in the League Cup. Um, 
I mean, yeah, it's got own win written all over it. I think we need to play a five-three-two formation or uh, or four-five-one. Perhaps a Wells on his own might even might even profit from that. Um, but we're going to have to be be aggressive. Everything we don't do, it's it's going to be a, a, a mountain to climb. Uh, like I said, worry beads and and uh, prayer mat at the ready because it's going to be difficult. But nobody's impossible to beat in this division. They teams that pass the ball do give you an opportunity to play, as we saw against Norwich. So there will be a chance. We, yeah. We've got to take the chances when they come. But we're going to have to defend like Trojans. It's going to be hard, hard. But it'll be. It might be a nice game of football to watch if you're a Brentford fan. If you watch it on TV, I mean, uh, to, I mean, Dave, Brentford are playing tonight at five thirty. Yeah, so we'll have had an extra twenty four hours. So let's not have when we lose on Saturday, which I hope we don't. Obviously, want us to win every game, but is, is, is twenty four hours? Is that going to make a difference? Do you think, or we're going to have to be at our very best to contain them at the weekend? I think whatever we're going to have to play above how we've been playing for a long time now to to get anything up there. And yeah, I don't think the twenty four hours will make much difference because they'll probably rotate a couple of players around and and you know and they'll come out looking quite fresh I would have thought so yeah I don't I, I, I see a, a tough afternoon ahead of us unfortunately yeah and would you change the formation to counter how they're going to play Mark just alluded to 4-5-1 um, you know with maybe Naki Wells up front by himself and give him a supply you know with maybe Semenyo coming in from uh the, the left, I, yeah. What 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 would you see the chances of making any uh, changes to the lineup with what we've got available? Yeah, and I think that's the that's the big problem. I think I, I go back to probably what I said for a few weeks now is that I I with the players we've got, I, I can only see that we can really do and play the system that we drilled throughout preseason, and that's three five two, and. Actually, we've actually got enough centre-backs to play it, and we have done for quite a number of weeks. And I don't think the way we play 4-4-2 or the way we play 4-3-3, it isolates too many players, leaves big gaps. And I, and I, and I think we, we have to go back and, and try and become solid. And I think we, we also have to think about, is, is Saturday the game just to go a bit long ball and give them a bit of a batter? You know, if... If Fam could only play half an hour, well, can't he play forty-five minutes? Can't we just give him a half and see how he is? And maybe you know, give him, and maybe give him, and maybe give him the first half rather than bring him on in the yeah, second. I, maybe I, when we're I, behind, I, having to chase the game. Yeah, would you do that? I, I agree. I know he's, I know he's been quite successful in terms of coming off the bench and getting goals, but I was thinking your best chance of winning a game is to is to win it by getting ahead, and we did that, at Cardiff. And we showed actually, if you've got mm. something to hang, if you've got something to hang on to, actually, sometimes it's it's it's, it's easier to do that than, or it's definitely easier to do that than to try and chase a game. Um, but and I think our best chance of doing that is to is to start fam and get him to give Janssen and Pinnock a bit of a battery. Just say go out there and just just bang them about a bit. We're we're going to play long. We're going to play a bit direct. We're going to get it up to you. We're going to have midfield runners trying to get close to you to pick up any loose balls, but just go in there and be a bloody nuisance. That's, like that's what I do on Saturday. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think Brentford are a Brentford are a you know they're a bit more streetwise than we are, but they're not a side that likes getting it about either. No, no, that's very true. I mean, Ian, let's look. It's it's, it's it, I don't think Casey Palmer could come back into the reckoning because when does a transfer window? Or when can you recall players? Is it from the first of Jan? Yeah, yeah. Yes, you I don't can. think you get a registration in place, would we? Well, I think if you recall... If I don't know, but you do, would you be looking... Would you be... If, if it was at all possible, would you be getting Casey Palmer back into a red shirt or purple shirt this Saturday, if you could? Yes. And, and Cameron Pring. Yeah, they'd certainly be in my 20. So that's what... Yeah, I've, I've, I've oh, played, I've played, I've been played Mr. Palmer, you've got to play him as a number 10. should be working on, he should be pulling out all the stops to do that. Well, when I heard yeah, uh, we, we a need, comment... Yeah, because we need the bodies. <laughs> when I heard a comment yesterday about we're going to look at who we recall um, and what we're doing after the Luton game, um, sorry, if we haven't got a strategy in place already, as of two weeks ago, then we've really, really, really got it wrong. Yeah, and really. there's no hope. Um, <laughs> it, it, you, you know, you can see I mean, from Ian, space. Look, let's assume, let's, let's say, let's hope we don't. We want to win on Saturday. We we want to win on Saturday, but if we lose that, and let, let's assume that COVID isn't stopping postponements because the number of postponements is getting very high. But let's assume the following week we go out of Portsmouth in the FA Cup. I mean, I said on OTIB, I said today's episode, yeah, are we at a crisis point? Will we be at a crisis point if we lost the next two games or do you think it'll just bumble along? And should we be looking over our shoulders? Should we be looking over our shoulders? Towards the top. Should we be looking over our shoulders? Yes. Um, Will we bumble along Mm. no matter what? Yes. Um... Can I can I see it improving? Um, only if we get a lot of the injured players back, and and the first two we want are Molson and Baker. Uh, but it's midfield where we're weak, and we've only really got Walsh to come back because Williams is out. So uh, it needs yeah. some something we don't do normally, which is some good signings in January. It doesn't matter if they're loan or whatever they are. Um. And we need to come up with some kind of a format and a plan. At the start of the season, uh, we were going to play 3-5-2. Now, he played a system once where he had um, a number 11 and a number 8 in midfield, and it worked at Middlesbrough after we got battered, I'd say, for the first 20, 25 minutes, but we managed to hold out. And then we, we played decent. And then he decided that was the way he was going to play forever. Um, then when Vyman, yeah. then when Vyman and Patterson um, got injured, couldn't do it anymore. Now, if you're going to play Palmer, yeah. you play him as a ten, preferably behind two strikers, not one. Uh, on Saturday, if he was available, I'd start him in that role, uh, in a kind of three, four, one, two, mm. and one of my two, I'd give Bell a debut. And I'd also give Taylor a debut. And 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 if if they, okay, if if they're not doing it, then you can you can take them off. But we cannot go on 
play saying to Tommy Rowe, right, you're a left back, you're a left wing back, you're a left centre back. We can't. But if you're going to put Tommy Rowe somewhere else, stick him in on the left side of a three in midfield because at least he can tackle and shoot. Um, so to yeah. do something different. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Dave? To Ian, what do you think of Ian's suggestions, Dave? Three, four, one, two. Assuming Palmer can uh, can come back. Yeah, I, I, I kind of just call it three, five, two. But you know, and you just have people doing slightly different role, roles in there. But yeah, I I I don't know how fit Palmer is. To be perfectly honest, I, I I saw him a couple of weeks ago for Swansea, and I don't know whether it's their white kit, but he looked like he parted the pounds on, which was quite worrying. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, but um, I, I I don't I don't disagree with what he's saying. It's 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 definitely an option. I think I think you're right. I think if you if you want to play him, you've got he'll work better with with two guys up there. But it's 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 about the team, isn't it? It's about how people feed the ball to him. And, and about how you know other people work different options, and, and I look at the game over the last and it's, it's quite quite a number of weeks now, and I, I don't see any structure to our play at all. It's all off the cuff stuff, and and you know that that's quite a big worry because I don't see where we can get a solid base from to actually play someone like a Palmer. Because what you want is you want good possession in the in the final 35, 40 yards of the pitch. And then that's where you get him on the ball. But if you can't do that, then you're you're almost kind of wasting him. Because I don't think he's I don't think he's not a hard worker. I don't I just don't think he's a very efficient worker. He'll he'll run he'll run stupid doggies to try and close people down. Won't get there and then he'll be knackered out. So you want to use him effectively. And I don't see a system at the moment. That enables a play to get the best out of him, but I think you you almost got to just take that risk and hope he flies. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, yeah. I'd agree. Yeah, no, you, I think you, uh, somebody just put on Twitter that Naki Wells has gone six hundred and fifty three minutes without a league goal. <laughs> six hundred and fifty three minutes for Wells without a league goal. That ain't very good, is it? It's trying to, really? it's trying to cheer us up at all in any. No, I don't. I don't know. I mean, look, it's just it's <laughs> one of the other threads on OTIP is enjoyment. And Dave, you've come back to what we said right at the beginning. You know, you haven't got, and you know, you're the, I'll say the most, you know, analytical of all of us on here. And you know, Ian, I place you, you two. I think Mark and I are probably similar. That we, we we enjoy the football or what have you, but we don't look at it as much in depth as you two guys, you, you, you Dave and you Ian. We don't look at it in quite the same level of depth. And would you agree with that, Mark? You know, we're putting I'm putting you down alongside yeah, not, me. Yeah, not, not not as not as for, yeah, not as forensic. Your your views have become. You know, you've criticised. You've you've become more critical, and you've said it yeah. just now that you know there's something something has got to change yeah and you know we haven't got the comp- you know the, the players haven't got the confidence how is it going to change yeah so let's uh, you know, we were going to look back on the year let's forget 2020 but just to finish from each of you Dave what going forward from here right what needs to happen? Which is might be different to what will happen, but what needs to happen that is achievable? You first, Dave. 
between now and the balance of the season. On the basis that we know players aren't going to be back till February, Williams isn't going to be back at all. Fan might go, he might not. What looks good for you in 2021 in terms of improving where we are now? Because we're on a road to nowhere right now. Yeah, a, a, a couple of things for me. Single system, drill the players in every opportunity you've got on the training ground with them to make them better at it. Okay, um, because and accept that against some teams, it ain't going to work. But learn from those games, and the next time you play a team like that, implement what you've learned from that. And actually, you can evaluate cause and effect better if you're doing the same thing over and over, or same system over and over. You know, you can understand that. Yeah, perhaps three. Let's just say it's three five two. Three five two doesn't work very well against a four three three team like Brentford. Okay, next time you play a 4 3 3 team like Brentford, say, I don't know, a Norwich or someone like that, put into practice what you learn. Do things differently within that, but within the same kind of overall framework. So that, that's kind of the first thing. And the second thing is, depending on, well, it doesn't matter what the budget is, bloody recruit well during the window. Get people in that are going to fit what you're going to do for the rest of the season with a and and if they're you know loans, then accept that they're there to do a short term. If you actually buy anyone permanently, think about what the long term is with them as well. And and, and those are the, the two mm-hmm. things. I think you can improve off that. Whether it's a big enough of improvement, I don't know. But it, it sets starts to set that identity crap word. Yeah, we know that. But I think you start to then realise what Bristol City are about as a team. And actually, you can then constantly evaluate it and evolve it, and maybe you get to next summer and think, right, I know exactly what I need now. We are missing a roving left wing back, for example. But unless you do that, you don't know. And at the moment, we've got, yeah. we've lurched from 3-5-2 to 4-3-3 to 4-2-1-3 to 4-4-2, and we are a bloody mess at the moment. Well, that's right. I mean, it's a tombola formation, never mind team uh, selection. It's it's all over the shop. Yeah? yeah it's all over the shop. And if the run, if this bad run continues, because after, uh, yeah, after, just to come back to you, Dave, on that, if the bad run continues, because I think after Pompey, you got Preston at home and Norwich away. Yeah? Do you, do you think there could be any change? You know, I advocated bringing in a director of football on the, this podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, an experienced hand above him. Yeah. Do you ever see anything like that happening? And I think he's subservient um, enough. To not, it not, when if, Lee not, Johnson Mark Ashton's, not if Mark Ashton's still at the club. I, I, I think he's so, effectively director no. of football. Isn't okay. He? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. S- simple as simple as that. I think it would blow the structure. Out. Okay. And uh, just just one one final thing on that. <clears throat> just just reading OTIP this morning, and, and I think it was Kid in the Riot, who's normally pretty well informed, was talking about Paul Cook was interviewed, and there was a mutual disagreement that he fitted the club and the club fitted him. Um, and I, and I think that comes back to one person, and I think that's Mark Ashton. And I'm not saying he's at fault for everything that's going on on the pitch because that's completely wrong. But I do, I do think that there's a common denominator yeah. in there with his role at the club hamstringing us in certain ways. I mean, too much. And recruitment is part of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, Ian, your, your shout on that. I'll I mean, do you think? No, no, that's just all insightful stuff, Ian. Uh, you know, your what? What can we do? 
and what will we do and not do and I, I got to agree with, uh, with with Dave that Ashton is coming back to that common denominator. And do you think anybody is going to press any panic buttons if the bad run continues, or do you think you know we've got it about us that we we've got a plan for the January transfer window? Um, okay, what do we need to do? First of all, we need to sort out. Um, the January transfer window and we should have a strategy and players lined up now. Okay. If they're, I don't believe we're going to sit down and talk about it after Luton. They cannot be that naive and that far behind the curve. Uh, Please God, they're not. Secondly, the contractual situation needs to be resolved and and the the fan base needs to be communicated with uh, to explain uh, what the long-term aim is. Because I, I don't see the point in having signing players at a cost of fourteen million and releasing them for nothing. Uh, we need to bring in the loan players that they probably will be, uh, unless we're going to sign um, some younger players. But they need to be younger players that can that can that are first team players. We don't want any more at the moment ones for the future. We need some ones for now. We're still in a reasonable position. Yeah. Um, so we need to get the contract sorted out. We need to get uh, the injuries sorted out. And there's a massive question about uh, why we've got all these injuries and why are, why they are so bad. Because we're either not recovering the players, because every other club is playing the same number of fixtures and every other club has got issues with COVID. So it's not like COVID only exists in Bristol and City are the only side that didn't have a proper pre-season and all the rest of it. And other clubs haven't got as many problems, particularly the key players. Now, there, you talk about recruitment. There could be a story behind that in terms of, you know, how deeply do we look into the into the players' background because we have signed injury-prone players and Baker and Mawson being two. Um, so that needs looking at. Uh, the contracts need looking at and that strategic plan around January needs to be implemented this week. This week. I don't want anybody coming in, oh, we'll have this bloke halfway through January. It is difficult, but we've had a long run into this. We know where we are with injuries. We know where we are with players. And as long as Steve Lansdowne is prepared to fund it, at the end of the day, everything financially comes down to him. If he's prepared to fund it, Fine. If he's not, he needs to say so and play the kids. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, Ian, I think you're spot on with that. Is you know we don't know how much money's available. We need to do stuff early in the window, as you say. And if and if the money's not there, come out and tell us because I think fans will accept that. You know, well, I, same with the manager, pr- Dave. I didn't it have is. a problem with, with Dean Holden getting the job. Why I had a major problem. What I had a major problem with was the process around it and the expectation level being raised yeah. with the Billy Big Shoes talk sport interview. Right? Yeah. That's that was my problem. They did exactly the same with Lee, and the sort of names that were being banded about before Lee came in was Nigel Pearson, Brendan Rogers even got a mention. Um, and it was the same this time, or Stephen Gerrard, Chris Hutton. All right, we yeah. might have dodged a bullet there, you don't know, but uh, Paul Cook. Experienced guys who had a track record. And then it's, well, we've interviewed all of them. 
and we decided that Dean's going to get the job. Now, if they'd have come out, as soon as Lee was sacked and said, right, we've got the COVID situation, um, we, you know, you can't talk about a breath of fresh air and someone to take us to the next level and then appoint the guy you sacked assistant. You can't do that. And, and that, I mean, when John Lansdowne was talking about the appointment, it no. didn't look like he believed what he was saying. To me, no, I, John looked embarrassed by it. No, that interview, I that interview that he did, that interview that he did in the stand after he'd been appointed was a was awful, awful, total. That was just a speech with lacked any conviction whatsoever. Well, it looked like he was. No, right it there. looked like he was reading somebody else's words. Um, yeah, yeah. And and, and I, 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 I've met John a few times. I like him. He, he knows far more about you know the tactics side of football than his dad. I'll tell you that now. I ignore it. Um, and, but, but, uh, but John, you know, John will say, oh, well, you know, he, he did well in that number 10 role and, and, you know, the wingers didn't get back. And, uh, John knows his football. So, so let's have that. And, you know, but I'm, I'm sorry, but I just don't, I, that, that, no, that recruitment process doesn't ring right. And like I said, I wish Dean Olden all the luck in the world. I hope we finish top of the table. Um, but I need to see, some planning, some strategy, something different happening that is, that is going to take us to the next level or will be a yeah. breath of fresh air because it, what we're Ian, seeing I'm, now isn't isn't what we were promised. It just isn't. Right. Let's, Ian, let's, on, on that, so, sorry, let me, Ian, sorry, just, just on that, I think how it was communicated, I, I didn't worry that they took six weeks to land Dean Holden or whatever. I think what we wanted was a little bit more transparency from them rather than... He's a good human. We we needed to understand more why they chose him, what the constraints were, because there's no way in the world that yeah. having interviewed Chris Hutton, probably at least or at least had three chats with Chris Hutton, other people a couple of chats, some people just one chat before he filled out. That you've you've got you've got Chris Hutton that far through the process. For it not to, him not to be chosen as the better manager out, out of the two, and I think that's where it's fallen down. Is that they they've gone? Uh, maybe they haven't asked the right questions, and I think that's the flaw in the interview process. But you don't interview Chris Hutton three times in. Well, that's it. I mean, look, the, and the interview. I mean, it depends. How how frustrating? It's interesting you make a point, Ian, about John being quite good tactically. How much of a stranglehold, and I'll put this one to, to Mark because you've been patient in the background, how much of a stranglehold has Ashton got on everything there now? Is John Lansdowne as frustrated as we are? That's the bottom line. But Steve, Uncle Steve, he's saying to his son, look, Mark, Mark knows best. Mark knows best. Mark, Mark, you Mark, not Mark. <laughs> Mark, Mark yeah. does Mark Ashton <laughs> know best? No, no, I don't. No, I don't think I don't so know, at all. Something. I think we 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 messed we messed up. We completely messed up the Chris Hutton situation. I think Chris Hutton's suffering from all the, uh, the players that Sabri Lamucci brought in more than anything. They weren't his players, but anyway, that, that that's all gone. But I think um, uh, Chris Hutton didn't want to work under the structure. Is is my guess? Um, Paul Cook, yeah, there was some disagreement there and they took six weeks to find Dean Holden. Going back to answer your original question about what we do moving forward, I'd put 
those words from Gary Rabbit on the changing room wall that get each and every player look at them and, and say, you know, that Bristol City aren't a soft touch. Let's toughen up, play with some identity, 3-5-2 for the rest of the season, make it make other teams know that Bristol City are a tough team to play against and that we're committed on the ball. We play bravely. When we play the ball into space, there's another player on, on ready to move in, uh, into it and we tackle back and we make we, we don't leave anything on the pitch in any of our games because that will make that will warm the fans' hearts. Let's do that for the rest of the, the season. Otherwise, we're going to really struggle. But let's be a brave well, that, Bristol City moving forward. What you just said is very laudable and it's a great idea, but it's impossible. And I'll, I'll well, tell I just you why. That, but I've just asked what I want to see, and that's all I can say, isn't it? You know, I want to start uh, dating Carol Vorderman, but it's just not going to happen, mate, because... <laughs> What you can't do, you, you can't go up to Adam Dash uh, or Tyree Backinson and say, right, lads, as of tomorrow, you're Kevin De Bruyne, right? And I want you, you know, you, Dave was talking about our, our lack of tackling in midfield, which is a basic of the game, right? Th- yeah. There's nobody in there that I wouldn't fancy tackling now at my age. N- never mind, th- they're not going to do it. You're not going to get, oh, they're all going to get stuck in and they're going to be, they might be brave in the sense of trying to dribble past somebody. They might. But at the moment, the team looks frightened and it looks as though their their overwhelming desire is to pass the ball backwards or sideways, which is why I called it boreball last night. It's just it's just boring. Mm. And you, you, you actually, you're watching it and it just drives you mad. I mean, how many times? Did we pass the ball behind somebody? You count the times in the first no. half of a game that our our players get a pass ten yards and have to take it on the stretch. Yeah, even, even talk about the best roll, roll, roll to to yeah, or they have to check their run. Yeah, Wells is Wells is Wells is checking his run and on 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 the other side. But I do I accept we're not we're never going to be Manchester City. But I just want to see see us be a bit braver in in our movement. Got to be more they the, we pass, they, the way that Mark, we pass they, the ball. They haven't got it in them. To, to, for example, I'll give you an example. For our midfield, tracking runners, terrible. Now that can be coached, but why hasn't it been coached? Why has Masengo regressed so much? Because he wasn't like that when he joined us. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, just not, I'm just not seeing, uh, no. if you're saying how good guys, 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 guys. Carry on. <laughs> I was going to say, we, no, we, 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 got, got, just gonna say we got to continue. <laughs> we, this is probably one of our longest ones that we've done, and anybody listening. Probably well, we did have two games to get into suicide. one, David, didn't we? We did, we did have two games to get into one. Look, I think the conversation continues, as they say, I think, on Saturday after Brentford. Yeah. Yeah, are we agreed? That's yeah, that's going to be an R-rated programme, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to be an R-rated programme, Probably, yeah. I just want a performance. You know, if we went to Brentford yeah. and we lost 3-2 and we put right some of the things that we've been doing, but everything that you guys have said about lacking belief, lacking cohesion, plan, formations and everything, it all does come back to what's going on off the pitch with the coaches and the manager and what they're being told. And then, as I say, and it all happened because Ashton 
appointed Dean Holden. And I feel sorry for Dean because I think he's he, he was only given a 12-month rolling contract. And I'll, I'll, I'll say, let me pose this final question to all three of you, one-word answers, and then that will be the end of the pod for today. Right. In 1st of September, right, I'll come to Dave first, uh, Mark Ashton, Dean Holden, yeah, will they both be involved in Bristol City on the 1st of September next year? Yes or no? Um, both of them, no. no. Not saying which one's going to go, but will they both be one, involved one, one with the One of club? them, probably yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, I'll ask you which one. Uh, Mark, same question to you. 1st of September next year, yeah? Both still there in their current jobs? No, no. And I'm likening, uh, likening uh, Mark Ashton to Thomas Cromwell. He found Anna Cleves and he had his head cut off for that So because uh, he pissed off Henry VIII. So, uh, yeah, let's wait and see. You don't think either. Okay, and finally, Ian, both 1st of September next year? Barring relegation, yes. Okay, guys and listeners, thanks to all those who've been uh, putting in the old uh, text messages. Bad boy uh, seventy nine, you've been uh, very active today. So thanks for that. We've had uh, this is probably the longest pod that we've done uh, since uh, the demise of Little Lee. And talking about past managers, what about a comeback for uh, Gary Johnson to get us uh, out? You know, helping. Uncle Steve, if we do start tumbling dangerously close to the bottom. And fair play to Steve Cottrell. What's that? Undefeated in seven matches now, but he's only a League One manager, really. Guys, thanks for your contribution. Thanks to all the listeners. We'll be back on Saturday after the Brentford game. Thanks to you all. Cheers. Can I I just say one one more thing? Go on, one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very, up, very briefly. I just want to. I just want to say we've we've all had a, a terrible year, but let's think of the the fans that we've lost to COVID. And I won't. My, my, one of my sister's best friends, uh, a guy called Nigel Owen, died in April, and I'm sure that Ian and Dave and you, David, would, would have known people uh, that have that have passed away. The same for other other clubs. At the moment, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Let's look forward to a better new year. Football, the league football could very well grind to a halt in the next few weeks. Let's hope the population gets better and, and so do Bristol City in, in 2021. And that's what we all need. We all need uh, a healthier future. So let's look forward to that. Yeah, so so all of us. All the best, boys. Happy New Year. Thank you. Cheers, all. Bye-bye. Thank you. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.